to Inside the Arc, everyone. It is Alec Bussey and Brandon Simberg again for the second time in what feels like 48 hours. And Sim, there's more major sporting news like Tom Brady retiring, but we're not here to talk about that. We're going to talk about Illinois and Wisconsin for about an hour before we get into our favorite segments at the end. But before we get into that, how's your uh, week of school going? We're on a Tuesday. Classes are probably going to get canceled. At least the in-person classes with the weather coming to Champagne. How are we doing? Yeah, I hope so. Wednesday is my busiest day. So I'm hoping that classes just get moved online tomorrow. Um, but that being said, rain, snow, hail, uh, maybe a nuclear bombing. I would still do whatever I can to get to State Farm Center tomorrow night for Illinois, Wisconsin. Obviously, it's a lot easier for me than probably some of you listening. But yeah, I'm going to do whatever I can to get to State Farm Center tomorrow night uh, because we've got a big game on our hands. Like I'm not going to call it the biggest game of the year because I feel like that's being too in the moment. But it's definitely one of the top three. Oh, I was going to say I think it's the biggest game of the year to date. The Purdue game to me, just like with the Monday primetime I, I, would, I would argue I, Wednesday. I, I would argue Wednesday night prime time, eight o'clock tip off. Students back in, yeah. back on campus. I would just say per, I would just say per, I mean, I guess Wisconsin's ahead of Purdue in the Big Ten standings, but there was something in the air about that Purdue game. Both teams ranked but, now. Uh, you're right. Okay, this is very Michigan State too. So it is one of the two. It's up there with oh, Arizona, Arizona and Purdue. It's up there with yeah, Arizona. And it's Purdue. it's in the clear top three. So one of the biggest games of the year, and uh, I'm excited because Wisconsin is a fascinating team. Yeah, no, they're really interesting and. Just to break some news to you, Sim, uh, it looks like our classes are going to be online on Wednesday. Oh, wow! From Chancellor Jones, the email coming through as we start recording from Illinois Mass Mill. Thank you, Chancellor Jones, for moving my classes online. I wasn't going to be walking to class anyway. Sorry, Mom and Dad. All right, back to to Illinois, Wisconsin, because I think that's what most of our listeners are here for. Obviously, it's a really big game, like we said, one of the two, three biggest games to date on the season. Big matchup. We got... Potential player of the year candidate, Johnny Davis, coming to Champaign. Coming in, averaging over 21 points a game, close to eight rebounds a game. He's number three, I think, on your board, NBA draft. Obviously, I think he's, he's four now. Uh, congrats to Chet Holmgren. You've regained number three. But he's a top five pick. Okay. He's a top five pick. Uh, you've got Kofi Coburn, also in that player of the year conversation. I think that this game is just going to be awesome. You've got kind of... Like this old, kind of like at least in our lives, this program in Wisconsin that's always been at the top of the Big Ten, has always been really good, has been the biggest model of consistency atop the Big Ten standings really for the last 20 years. You've got Illinois, who was right there with Wisconsin in the first half of the century, disappeared for the longest time, and now it looks like Illinois is back. And I feel like this is kind of a fun rivalry building between these two teams. You obviously got the Iowa step back over Brad Davison. I think that that's something that a lot of Illini fans remember. I think that's something a lot of Wisconsin fans probably remember as well. And Iowa obviously has a triple-double against the Badgers last year as well. God, Iowa is a Wisconsin killer, not to make this about that. But, you know, you just kind of think about what this game means and the big picture of things. Winner takes over sole possession of the first place in the Big Ten Conference, and you control your own destiny. Yeah, it's a huge game. And like you said, I like, I think I saw some stat yesterday uh, retweeted by Brad Sturdy. Shout out to Brad, friend of the program. But uh, he it like the records for... Big Ten teams this decade, so including the 2020 season, 2021 season, 2022 season, Illinois is in first and Wisconsin is in second. So even though it's been like a, a, it's been a weird decade for Wisconsin, just the last three years, you know, they were supposed to be really, like, they won the Big Ten 2020 after losing their best player. Last year they were supposed to be good and they weren't. This year they were not supposed to be good and they are. It's been a weird decade for them, but these have been the two best programs by regular season wins this decade and... Yeah, Wisconsin, it's just, the metrics don't love them. They, you know, I think, and I think 
when people watch them, I don't think the eye test loves them either. Like they're not this powerhouse unit that is going to blow you out and look sexy. And it's not this fun brand of basketball. But they're this really consistent, really solid team that's gotten it done in close games. Uh, they are 10-1 and one in close games, meaning games decided by six points or less or overtime this year. Ten, they, they've played 11 close games this year. Yeah, and the only one they lost, they didn't have Johnny Davis. Yeah, so. like, it, it's, it, like, it's some, like you want to say it's luck and it'll regress, but to me there's something about this team that I think they just have what it takes to win close games. You know, we talked about Davis. He's arguably the best player in the country, and he'd be my pick for National Player of the Year today. And he's just a killer kind of down the stretch. And this is a team that doesn't turn the ball over, so that's good late in game. They make timely shots. They play good half-court defense, and they make their free throws. It's kind of the recipe of a team that this isn't – they're not going to like be like a – you know, if you catch Ohio State on the wrong night and you got all those guys going well, like you get blown out. This isn't them, but, God, they're really going to make you earn a win against them. This is the same Wisconsin team we've seen our entire lives. They just have a lottery pick. Right, like they they don't make mistakes. They win close games. They're not going to blow you out. I mean, obviously, like the Frank Kaminsky, Nigel Hayes, uh, Bronson Canyon, like those teams. Sam Decker. I don't know how I didn't mention him. Like those teams were really good, and those teams blew opponents out. And this Wisconsin team is not really in that same kind of mold. They don't blow a lot of people out. Offensive efficiency is top forty. Defensive efficiency is top forty. Both around that thirty-five to forty rank in the country and they're 26th in Kempom. So like you, it's very similar to what you would see out of a lot of Wisconsin teams throughout our lives. They don't make mistakes. They win close games. They don't get overwhelmed by the moment. It's just something that Wisconsin has always been known for in our lives following this program and following the Big Ten. And I think that's what's made them really good. And I think that coming into this season, there was a lot of doubts about how good of a coach Greg Gard was with everything that happened in the off season and the locker room with how good last year's team was supposed to be in Madison, and it just kind of fell on its face. But he somehow put the puzzle pieces back together, and I think that a lot of people don't talk about it enough this year, but Brad Davidson's been incredible for them. He's having his best year um, as a Badger. He's averaging 15.7 points a game, over four rebounds, over two assists a game. I mean, the kid's just balling out for the Badgers. He's just been really good, and he's shooting 38% from three, which I think is a career high. Uh, he's shooting 41% from the field, just having a really, really good year. And that's going to be a really big matchup for Illinois because I think that you know Johnny Davis is going to get his. That's a kid, and this goes kind of back to what we were texting about this week. You know that kid's going to get his. You know Johnny Davis is going to go get 15, 20 points a game, 25. In the biggest games this year, he scored 37 points on the road at Mackey against Purdue. So you know he's going to get his. But if you can slow down Brad Davidson, if you can slow down their point guard, Chucky Hepburn, if you can – not get killed by Tyler Wall, and you allow Kofi to kind of feast in the paint on Crowell, I think you're going to feel really good about your chances. But this is when you need Trent Frazier to have one of his best defensive games against Brad Davison. Yeah, I agree. Everyone talks about everyone talks about Davis, and he is the star, and he's the best player. But if they, like, they still, they've won games where Davis hasn't really shown up. And that's kind of, for me, like what, what in my eyes... I always thought they were good, but I thought they were Davis reliant. So seeing them win games where Davis was off made me realize that, you know, this team is better than I think. And a lot of that has been Brad Davison. I think he's averaging a career he is averaging a career high in points. Not necessarily field goal percentage, but he just he just seems like a guy that hits timely shots and he is their version of Trent. You know, he's their best defensive player. He's gonna take a, a key charge. He'll hit a key shot from deep and you know, fans don't love him. He's the kind of guy you hate to play against, but he's the kind of guy you want on your team. And I've been really impressed with him. 
Uh, on Wisconsin in general, I think one thing that's interesting is that they were actually playing a little bit faster this year. This is like one of the first times in the past 20 years that they haven't been bottom 300 in pace. Now, they're only like 245th, so they're not like playing that much faster, but they trust their guards a little bit more now in Davis and Davison to you know, push the tempo after a break. But still, Wisconsin's playing a lot slower than Illinois, so I'll be curious to see, you know, can Illinois speed this team up? Because if we're in a half-court game, I think that favors Wisconsin. But when you look at the half, like when you look at the matchups, and I think Demonte Williams will start on Johnny Davis. You know, even though Trent Frazier is Illinois' best defender, Davis is a really strong physical guy, and I don't, I, I wouldn't want to tax Trent with those, with the with the with that defensive assignment because we're gonna need him on offense. I don't want him tired. But we have Kofi Coburn inside, and they do not. And I think a lot of it's going to come down to how can Kofi, like how can how much can Kofi dominate? If Kofi can be the best player on the floor, get their bigs in foul trouble, and put pressure on them to you know take out Wall, take out Crowell, then we're then Illinois is in a good spot. But if you know if Wisconsin has some plan to double team Kofi and he can't take over, and you know we've we've seen Kofi have some slow starts. If Kofi does not kind of bring his A game, and it's a half court game, Illinois is going to be in trouble. I think what's really interesting, and this kind of ties back to what we said at the beginning, you know, is this one of the two, three biggest games that Illinois had all year? I'm putting it right up there with Purdue and Arizona and Michigan State being right there in the top three slash four. You can rank those however you want, but Kofi has struggled a lot in those, in what I would consider to be the two biggest games that Illinois played this year against Arizona and Purdue. Um, and he may have had a concussion or concussion symptoms against Purdue. We don't really know exactly the timeline of that, and that could have contributed to the struggles he had against Purdue. But this is a type of game against a Wisconsin team that is good but doesn't have that dominant big in the Big Ten like we've seen other teams in the Big Ten traditionally have, especially the teams at the top of the Big Ten have. Stephen Carl is a freshman. He's seven foot. He's 217 pounds. That means Kofi's got about a 40 to 50-pound advantage on him. He needs to bully him in the paint. Crowell is having a good year, close to 10 points a game, just under five rebounds a game. So he's, he's a quality player, right? But, like, they can't throw Crowell at him by himself all game. That's a, that's a matchup that Kofi needs to dominate when it's the one-on-one. And when that double team comes, he's got to be able to look to kick out to the shooters, whether that's Jacob Grandison, who has been struggling of late, like we talked about on the last podcast. Grandison's got to be ready to shoot. He has been ready to shoot it, uh, especially in the corner of late and especially at the top of the key. Get him, get him confident early against the Badgers, and I think that's a major strength for you. You know Plummer's going to be ready to go. You know Frazier's going to be ready to go. But Frazier's going to have to get past Brad Davidson, who's a pretty good defender in his own right. Um, obviously, I don't think he's as good of a defender as Trent Frazier is, but Kofi's got to be able to exploit Crowell in the paint with the one-on-one matchups. And when those double teams come, be ready to pass out, but also be ready to power through it and finish through it because he has the ability to do that. He's great at finishing through double teams because he is so strong and he is so dominant. But... What can Kofi do against Stephen Crowell? I think is a huge matchup when it comes down to it in this game. And this is a type of game that Kofi needs to dominate for the Illini to win. And also, like, Kofi's missed five games this year. And he is one of just two players in the country to be averaging more than 20 points a game and more than 10 rebounds a game. And he's the only player in the high major to be doing it. But if you want to go win National Player of the Year, Kofi... If you want to resecure yourself as a first-team All-American when people are starting to throw Oscar Shibway and Kentucky out there and Drew Timmy's name out there as well, this is the type of game where you can make a statement on national TV, primetime game, 
you can let people know that hey, this is still my this is still my award to lose. What has Kofi's biggest moment been this year? That's a really good question. Um, I don't know because when you like the thing the thing that scares me about Wisconsin too is that Johnny Davis has showed up in big games all year. And he seems like a guy that like actually likes to play on the road better and takes you know the challenge of playing on the road like. In, in the Maui tournament, he had, 30, he had 30 against Houston on neutral. At Mackey Arena, he had 37 and willed them to victory. Um, he, just, he, just, he, he plays you know in the big games, in the big moments. At Northwestern last Tuesday when the game was kind of slipping away from him, he just stepped up and he finished with 27 in that game. Like, I just feel like Davis has been a great competitor. You know, Going against Keegan Murray, another player of the year can in the Big Ten, he had 26. Like Davis has risen to these big moments. And Kofi's been dominant, and I'm not trying to. I guess I would say Kofi's 29 and 10 against Minnesota coming out of the COVID break, yeah, or 25 on the road. and 14 against Mizzou and Bragging Rights. I mean, I obviously those yeah. are compared to 37 points at Mackey, but I mean, but no, he but hasn't had a he hasn't had like a huge moment where I can easily point to and circle that with the sharpie and say, yeah, that was his biggest moment. So to your point, you know, like the Kofi has the stats to win Player of the Year. No one's denying that, and Illinois is ranked in top, you know first in place in the Big Ten, I just think he's missing the signature moment that guys like Johnny Davis, Oscar Sheewe's had some big games, Ochai Agbaji. I think he's missing the signature moments that those guys have had, and now you get your shot tomorrow night. So I'm I'm curious to see if he can come through with a matchup I actually like for him. Yeah, and it's a really big matchup too just because he should dominate this matchup. No one in the country knows who Stephen Crowell is. Everyone in the country knows who Kofi Coburn is. And that's not to be disrespectful to Stephen Crowell, but like when you look at Wisconsin, no one thinks of Stephen Crowell. Everyone thinks of Johnny Davis and Brad Davidson. And honestly, I think people think of Chucky Hepburn before. And I think Chucky Hepburn's going to be a really good player, by the way, um, when it's all said and done in the Big Ten. And I think that's going to be a difficult matchup for Alfonso Plummer defensively. While Hepburn's not an elite creator and he's not a guy who's going to hunt a lot of buckets, that is someone that you feel like could give plumber some struggles defensively yeah i'm worried about i'm i'm worried about our guards actually scoring when we look at the backcourt i'm worried about our guards scoring like guards six four and under against wisconsin this year have not been great we talked about davison being a good defender davis is a good defender wisconsin's been able to hold teams in the half court they held Jaden ivy to well below his average they held marcus sasser down for like 30 minutes of the houston game so again like if, if Trent Frazier can have a breakthrough game and or a big game and Kofi Coburn can have a normal game, Illinois should win. But I really, like, I'm not expecting a ton from our guards against a really solid half-court defense with two really good on-ball defenders. Yeah, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see what Wisconsin does defensively matchup-wise. Do they decide to put Johnny Davis on Trent Frazier? And I think so. I think I would if I was Greg Gard or I would put him on Alfonso Plummer. Personally, I would put him on Trent because I think Frazier is just more dynamic with the ball. He's going to be on the ball more. Yeah, and while I feel like Plummer has the ability to go off for 30 and can bury me from three, I would rather get buried by Plummer making shots because I know that's something he's going to do regardless than get buried by Trent Frazier making shots, getting to the basket, creating looks for other people, getting the ball to Kofi in the paint. I don't want to get burnt by that. I'm much more willing to get burnt by Alfonso Plummer making you know five threes or going off for seven, seven eight threes, which we've seen he can do at times this season. But also... What kind of impact does Andre Corbello have in this game? And I think that's where you really kind of see a huge wild card for Illinois because you don't know where he's at conditioning-wise, coming off of COVID, coming off the concussion stuff. 
essentially being held out of the Northwestern game just because of it not being in his best interest to go play that game for his conditioning purposes. He's only played like six six or seven times in practice in the last 60 or 70 days. At least that's what it was around that Northwestern game, and he should be in practice since that Northwestern game on Saturday. But Andre Corbello is a huge, huge, huge X factor in this game, and Wisconsin's obviously preparing for that. But you can put Andre Corbello on Brad Davison. I think you feel pretty good about your matchup defensively to at least hold your own and make that a net equal. And offensively, if that's what you have, I think Corbello can get by Davison and create looks for Coburn in an Omar Payne in a pick-and-roll situation or a kick-out to Plummer or Frazier. I think that maybe the biggest X factor in this game is the play that Illinois gets out of Andre Corbello, and no one knows what it's going to be. Yeah, I, you've been higher on Corbello's defense than me. Like I wouldn't love him guarding Davison, who has some size on him and has shown the ability to shoot over smaller guys. And I, again, we talked about conditioning. I don't know what Curbelo is going to look like on that end. But he is a total X factor. And against Purdue, he was able to swing that game and keep them in it and almost will them to, to the finish line. But then he, you know, he played against Maryland, and we don't like talk about this, but he was pretty below average against Maryland. And he, he strikes me as a guy that's better at home, like with a crowd. He's best in the big moments. Um, he strikes. He, I think he's. I think he's good with a crowd. You know, boosting him up. So I, I expect him to be better at home. But it'll be interesting. Like his just creation against Wisconsin's stout pack line defense that isn't gonna. You know, that tries to prevent dribble creation. That will be something to watch. But I think you know, even, even if he gets a limited contribution, like if he if he doesn't have it and he doesn't hurt them. Then I'm not, you know, then, then I'm okay playing Trent and Plummer more minutes. Yeah. Like, I, you want to see what you have. Maybe he provides that spark, but I don't think you need to force it down. You know, I don't think you need to force Carmelo down Wisconsin's throat because simultaneously he's the type of guy that could turn over a lot against them if it's not working well. But I agree. He's probably like, I kind of know what I'm getting from Kofi. I'm not expecting much from, I'm not expecting a ton from Trent and Plummer that's going to win them the game. Carmelo to me is, is the X factor. Yeah, I think. If Corbello comes in and he gives you something like he did against uh, Purdue, I think you feel really good about your chances. But if he doesn't give you that and he gives you more of what you saw early in the season when he was battling those concussion things or what he gave you on the road at Maryland, then you don't have to play him. And I think he's understanding of the fact that where he's at right now isn't close to where he needs to be consistently, at least, to contribute the way that they need him to over a course of 40 minutes. If he can get you you know, 15 minutes of quality of, you know, 15 minutes, seven, eight points in those 15 minutes, you know, two, three, four assists, maybe a turnover to three, four rebounds. I think that's going to be pretty positive for Illinois in that stretch, if that's what they're able to get from him. But it's just such a wild card to not know what you're going to get. And I think really what this matchup could come down to, Sim, is what kind of defensive effort do the Illini get on Johnny Davis? Because you expect DeMonte Williams to be the one who guards him. You'll see Trent Frazier, I think, slide over at times, but you don't really want Trent Frazier guarding Johnny Davis for long extended periods because Davis will post him up at the high post at the elbow or on the block, and that's not advantageous for Trent. Even though Trent's strong, he's not big enough to do that. You need DeMonte Williams to be great against him. He was really good against Jaden Ivey. He needs to be just as good. He was pretty good against Pete Nance at the end of that Northwestern game. Needs to be just as good. So if DeMonte Williams gives you great defense, you're going to have a good chance. But if he struggles, 
who do you who do you turn to next? Is it Jacob Grandison? I don't feel great it's, about that it's, matchup. It's, it's Trent Frazier. But and I will say the thing with Davis this year that I've noticed is sometimes against a guy of his caliber that's just like an elite level shot maker sometimes and you know, it, Davis isn't like Ivy where he's beating you with his speed and getting downhill like Davis just makes tough shots. And his best games, like Houston and Purdue, I thought the defense against him was actually, like, was fine. Was I think enough. it's easier to defend Jaden Ivey than it is to defend 100%, Johnny Davis. 100%, because there are times where, like, in basketball, good offense beats good defense. And there just are times in games this year where I thought teams have played good defense on Johnny Davis. And he's simply going to score because he's that level of a shot maker. He's taller than both Trent and DeMonte, like... It's yes, it'll come down to like, you know, how are the contests? How's the help on his drives? Are you forcing him to the spots you want to force him into? But there's a scenario where he just has a game where he's just making shots and like I'm not gonna I'm not necessarily gonna fault DeMonte for not being able to guard him because a lot of teams haven't been able to this year. Like that's the scariest thing, is that Davis could just erupt and make a ton of shots and Wisconsin could win. And I don't like really know how you game plan against it because that guy at times is just an elite level shot maker. It's kind of like Io last year, right? Where this is just a game that comes to the top of my head at Nebraska last year where Io goes for, I think, 30-plus, right? And he was the only offense that Illinois had, right? Like, sometimes guys just make shots. And when that happens, you just kind of have to tip your cap and say, hey, you, you got us today. And if that's what Illinois has to do walking out of State Farm Center on a snowy, icy night in Champaign on Wednesday, that's going to be really frustrating for Brad Underwood, I think. But... This is a Wisconsin team that's really good, and it took a lot of people, including myself, a long time to recognize that they were good, and I still don't always know how they're really good when I watch them play, but they are a quality basketball team. They they put numbers up on their opponents. Johnny Davis carries them. He's probably the leader for player of the year in America. Um, with that being said, what's your pick for Wednesday night? Illinois comes in probably as the favorite. I'm trying to find the betting line for it right now. They're actually a this is from FanDuel. Um, they're nine. They're this isn't right. This, this is this is last year. This is last year. So I don't this know what the line years. is That's off the top. Yeah, I don't know what the line is off the top of my head. I'm trying to find uh, it. Bartorvik has it as a six point game just by the metrics. I will. To me, this felt like a series where these two teams, if they were going to play twice, they would split. You know, I think Illinois would have the advantage at home. Wisconsin would have the advantage on the road, and I think. Illinois is the more talented team. Nobody's denying that. Wisconsin has been better at winning close games and big games. Like, there's also no denying that. You know, like I think Wisconsin has the best collection of wins in college basketball this season, especially with how some of these games have aged. They beat Houston, who I think has like two losses now. Like, the Houston has been really good. They beat Marquette, who was in the rankings, has been a good team. They took care of Indiana at home after being down 20. They won at Purdue. They beat Ohio State at home, another good team. They just, they've just accumulated so many good... And they beat St. Mary's, who's probably a tournament team. They beat Texas A&M, who has like six losses. Like they, they just, they've won so many game, big games and good games, but Illinois has a more talented team. They're home. We'll talk about this in a sec, but I think they kind of need to win this game if they want to win the Big Ten. So I think just, even if it's not a crazy crowd given the snow, I think Illinois is a better team at home, and I think they win by like five to eight points. All right, so this is a line according to Top Bet, which is a website I haven't heard of yet, and we're still more than 24 hours out from the game. But Illinois is a six and a half point favorite. Over under is uh, 140. So you're. Line- I'll take I'll take Wisconsin. I'll take. I think it's a good line. I'll take Wisconsin to lose by six. 
Yeah, I, I think that the Illini also win this game. I think that Wisconsin's been on a really good streak here of late of winning games. Um, obviously, they lost to Michigan State, but they've won two, two, two after that. They have two losses this year with they, Johnny Davis yeah, in the lineup. They have two losses this year, right? Like, they've only lost one game going back to December 15th, and that was to Michigan State. And that was just a weird game as a whole where Michigan State kind of jumps out to a really big lead, and they're up at big at halftime. But the Badgers kind of cut it down, and it's got that Cole Center magic that always happens. Um, you know, I think that Illinois also wins this game. I think you're going to see Trent Frazier come out and have a pretty good game offensively after the struggles we saw him have at Northwestern. I think Kofi Coburn dominates the matchup in the paint, and I think that Johnny Davis does get his. I think Davis still probably goes for 20, 25 points, but I don't think he gets enough from the supporting cast. It's an Illinois defense that's now around top 25, top 30 in defensive efficiency by Kempom. I trust that defense to get enough stops late down the stretch it's gonna be close it's gonna be a tight game it's gonna be awesome hopefully there's still a lot of people there i know illinois ticket department and the athletic department has kind of started to communicate things hey if you can't come to this communicate with people let's get as many people from the champaign area or students inside state farm center to make this a tough environment for wisconsin i want this to be an awesome environment i think this has the ability to be the biggest game of the year um and I think that it, it's going to be an awesome basketball game to watch. So I'm going to take Illinois minus six and a half. I'll be there in my sport coat. Biggest biggest home game of the year. I did it last year against Iowa. Um, I'm putting the sport coat back on. <laughs> Illinois gets the win over the Badgers on Wednesday night. And a snowy champagne. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. All right. We're always on the same page. Imagine that. All right, Sam, let's get to uh, Pac-12 update. So do we know, I want to talk about this before we do that. I want to talk about like the long term effects of like okay. this game. Yeah, let's 10. do it. Because we're we're at the halfway point now. Illinois played ten games. They're eight and two. Wisconsin's played ten games. They're eight and two. So, for those doing the math at home, the winner of this game will be in sole possession of first place. Michigan State seven and two. They have their makeup game will come against Michigan. I think that date's like March, February first or something, or March first maybe. Yeah, I it's, don't know. It's it, that game's been announced. So. Every, as of right now, every team will get to 20 games. We won't have a situation like last year. Knock on uh, my countertop. But then you have Purdue in fourth at 7-3 and three, and Ohio State at 6-3. and three. Uh, Does the winner of this game tomorrow, are they, are they, are they going to win the Big Ten? They control their own destiny to win the Big okay. Ten. And that's a cop-out answer. I realize that's a huge cop-out answer. But... If Wisconsin wins this game against Illinois on Wednesday night, they will have wins over Purdue and Illinois on the road. They only play Illinois once in the regular season. Purdue does go to the Cole Center. And if that's a game that Wisconsin wins, they're probably going to win the league. That would essentially knock Purdue out of contention for the league as well, I think. Um, but I think that Illinois has a good opportunity, if they win this game, to feel like you can lock up at least a share for the Big Ten title. At the end, when it's all said and done, because obviously your February is really tough. You've got difficult games against Indiana on the road and at Purdue on the 8th, which that game was pushed up to the 8th. It was supposed to be on the 10th. Going to the rack is never easy, but that's a game that you're going to have to win if you're going to win a Big Ten title. Going on the road at Michigan State and winning in the Breslin Center is always tough. Um, and then obviously Ohio State coming into Champaign at the end of the month is difficult as well, too. But when you look at this in the grand scheme of things, if Illinois beats Wisconsin on Wednesday night, they're going to have sole possession of first place in the Big Ten. They're going to control their own destiny. And I think when you give this Illinois team, and I know how important winning the Big Ten is to this Illinois team after what happened last year 
when you give them first place to themselves, I don't know if they look back in their rearview mirror. Now, that I mean, doesn't they, mean they, they, they did when they were in first place and they lost to Maryland. They were they never had sole possession of it. Okay, that's fair. They, they never they had sole possession of it because they were yeah. Uh, now, obviously, that means they could still go on the road and lose to Indiana on Saturday, and they could come back a week from today recording this on Tuesday, and they could lose on the road at Purdue, and we could be looking at a four-loss team um, in the Big Ten. So, or, yeah, that's right, I think, four-loss team in the Big Ten. So, obviously, a lot can change in that aspect, but I think the winner of this game is in the driver's seat of the Big Ten. Do they win it? I don't know. I think it's going to end up being a 3-4 team share atop the league. So... Bar Torvik thinks the team's going to win it outright. Yeah, I know the team they think is going to win it outright, and I don't agree with it. And they, they think Purdue's going to run the table. And I don't necessarily like, – I don't actually disagree. I think – I have a strong time believing that Purdue's going to win their last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen 10, 11, 12, 13 games just, in the Big Ten. They I have got, a hard they, time believing they're going to end, they, they end got, the year they on got a 13-game winning streak. They got three of their tougher road games out of the way in – Rutgers, Indiana, and Illinois. I know people are going to laugh at Indiana and Rutgers, but those are places that are usually tough to play. The schedule just eases up for them, and the bigger games are at home. Like I don't see Michigan getting them in Ann Arbor. I don't, obviously don't see Northwestern getting them. I think Purdue loses one more game. So I think Purdue's going to end up with four losses. I don't think Purdue. I think Purdue. Or I right. guess, what would that make? Was, yeah, I, I think Purdue loses one of at Michigan State or at Wisconsin, and I think they run the table. But... If Wisconsin wins tomorrow, I think they have a good chance to get us a, a share. I do too. I think if Wisconsin wins tomorrow, or, there's no win. reason they shouldn't win it outright. Wisconsin got as long as they protect their home court. There's no reason that Wisconsin shouldn't win it outright because then you can lose. You can you can lose then on the road to a Michigan State, and you can, as long as you protect Wisconsin their home court. got their toughest part of the schedule. Yeah. They, they've already played Ohio State twice. They already went to Mackey. Um, they they do have to like they do have to go to Indiana Rutgers on the back half, but their only ranked games are at Illinois, at Michigan State, and home for Purdue. So if they win at Illinois, I probably give them three more losses, and they're at what five and fifteen and five probably gets you a share. Uh, but I, if Illinois wins, I still don't think like they're. I don't I don't know if they're going to get a share. I'm not like guaranteeing. Like if Wisconsin wins, I'm probably guaranteeing a share. It's the Illinois schedule. Like, even with a win tomorrow, Bart- Bartorvik has them at 15-6. and six. You know, at Indiana's been tough to play at. At Purdue, I don't think they're going to win. They're favorite at Rutgers, but the rack's always weird. Uh, at Michigan State, you know, tough place to play. And then at Michigan, they're supposed to lose. And they play Ohio State at home, who has kind of given them some problems over the years. Like, the schedule for me is just too brutal. So I feel like if Illinois wants to win, it's a must-win. But I don't necessarily think... Like, I'm not – because of Wisconsin's schedule is so much easier than Illinois'. I think if Wisconsin wins, they're in, a, like, a really good spot where Illinois still has some work to do. And I'm not saying – like, I'm, not, I'm also not saying I don't think Illinois can get a share. I just think they have more work to do because of the schedule. But my pick on today's date to win the Big Ten, at least with a share, and I actually think they could win it outright, is Purdue. I think it's going to end up coming down to a share. I think that three teams. I don't think Michigan State's going to end up having an opportunity to no, a share. I, guess... I think that the end of their schedule is really tough. With they play Illinois in the middle of February, they've got you know a road date with Iowa. They got to go. They got to play Wisconsin they gotta, again. They got to go to Purdue. the rack. Yeah, like I don't think that they've got. I think that 
and we've seen the struggles that Michigan State has with their point guard play. I think you could end up seeing three teams tie for first place to talk to Big Ten standings, Illinois, Wisconsin, and Purdue. Um, I think you could also see two teams. I do think it's going to end up being a share. Uh, let me pose this question to you another way. Uh, you think that if you had to bet one team to win the Big Ten, you would bet on Purdue. You have one team to bet on to go the farthest in the NCAA tournament. Who would you bet on? From the oh, Big Ten? also Purdue. That's not even a question. Purdue. That's not even a question for me at this point. Uh, I think, yeah, that's not even a question for me. I think the Big Ten thing's a little murkier because they have lost some tough games, but I think Purdue is the only team I could see making the Final Four in the Big Ten. I don't think Purdue makes the Final Four. I don't think I probably won't pick them to do it. But if you told me one team like was going to do it, I would pick Purdue. All right, let's get to your favorite part of the show, Sam. Give me your Pac-12 update briefly. Yeah, I mean, not not much has happened since the last update, but we do have three Pac-12 teams in the top 10 this week in the AP poll. UCLA slides back into number three. Again, I think they're flying a little bit under the radar nationally. Like, they took a month off. They had a bad loss, but they're back at, like, I think they're... They're not flying under the radar nationally because they're ranked three, but I just think people— They were forgotten about for a long time. And that's because they didn't play for, like, legitimately a month. Um, but now they're back. They're 16-2 and two with, obviously, a loss coming to Gonzaga and Oregon, who we talked about, is putting it together. And, you know, they've got—they do have a tough-ish part of the schedule coming up. We have UCLA at Arizona on Thursday night, the rematch. Then they go to Stanford. They've been kind of tricky. Then the, then they got to go to or they have they have at Arizona State that'll be a win but it's a road game and then at USC the Battle of LA it's always a tight rivalry game so these next four games I think will learn the most about UCLA and if you know if they go four and zero or even three and one I think we'll start talking about them again in the national picture obviously number two Gonzaga de facto Pac twelve team uh, we talked about them a ton last week do you have a pick for UCLA at Arizona on Thursday yeah Arizona's gonna win that basketball game. I thought that I think that game's at home. Arizona got blown out at UCLA last week. That was a tough week for Arizona. It was their third road game, I think, in seven days or third in like eight days, nine days. It was something crazy, difficult part of the schedule for them. Arizona's gonna win that basketball game on Thursday night. Um, it's in Arizona. I think that place is gonna be rocking. They're not gonna have Kirk Creasa play as badly as he did. Ben Matherin's gonna play better. Um, than he did, and he was great against UCLA. Give me Arizona in that game to protect home floor. I'll, we always agree, so I'll zag and I'll take UCLA. Just a big game team. Big game Ju Zhang, as the kids are saying. Uh, I'll Does zag. he play in that game? Oh, that's a, good, that's a good point. He did miss the last game with COVID protocols. Okay, if he doesn't play, I will take Arizona. But if he plays and he's like, okay, health-wise, I, you know, I think they can get it done just because they've been a big game team, and Arizona, honestly, this is kind of a, a must-win game for Arizona, I think. They really don't have any big wins. Like, they need to prove something to – and this is probably the last chance to get one unless you consider USC a big win. So, this is like a must-win for Arizona, but I think if Ju Zhang's okay, I bet UCLA does it again and they sweep him. All right, let's get into buzzer beater before I got to get out of your apartment and go talk to Brad Underwood, Kofi Coburn, and Brandon Pajemski for uh, pregame media availability. All right, so my take, and this is in honor of you going to South Bend, Indiana to watch Duke and Purdue play, you, or Duke and Notre Dame play, excuse me. Uh, this year's Duke team is the most talented college basketball team since John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins, Kentucky, and was that 2010? 
I don't know. Yeah. The, all those wow. Kentucky teams wow. that blend was... together for me. Uh, you look at this team, they've got five first-round picks, in my opinion. Uh, two of them, I think, are going to go off the board in the first seven to ten picks, and Paolo Bencaro and A.J. Griffin. You've got Wendell Moore, who I think is a mid-to-late-round first-round pick. You've got Trevor Keels, who I think is a first-round pick, if healthy. And you've got Mark Williams, who I think is also a first-round pick. They are essentially saying that they can start five first-round picks, and that is the most talented team in college basketball since John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins, Kentucky, way back when. Wow. I thought you would like that one, too. I I mean, I like it because I like, I like it because it's hot. I, like, strongly disagree. Um, I just think you had, like, the Carl Anthony Towns Kentucky team. They had a lot of pros. I think they were more talented. I think, or you said Anthony Davis team. Um, I mean, were they more talented than the Zion team that had, like... So that's where I kind of stopped. The reason that I... I, The reason I'm taking this Duke team over the Zion, uh, Cam Reddish, and... um, Why... Uh, R.J. Barrett. Yeah, R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett, Barrett Tyus Jones. Yeah, okay. I, yeah. The reason I'm taking this Duke team over that Duke team is because... And now, I think that Duke team might be better. Uh, I, that's a, one of my favorite college basketball teams in our lives. But that... I can't just be like, that Duke team is more talented simply because Zion was the most magnetic college basketball player that we've ever seen in our lives, I think. And I realize they had two of the top like five picks um, with R.J. Barrett. Was it two of the top three picks, I think? Yeah, R.J. went three. Yeah, so two of the top three picks. And but Cam went like ten. Give me this Duke team as the most talented Duke team that we've seen in the last decade. Yeah, I didn't I didn't love watching them live. And they have a lot of talent, but like it's also kind of a weakerish draft where like Keels is probably getting picked on upside. He hasn't been that great this year. Moore's been a good college player. Williams is huge. AJ like has been good, but like not top seven college player in the country. Good, it's more of like projecting upside. I mean, it's a good team. I think it is the most talented team in the country, um, but I'm a little bit lower on them, I think, than you. So I guess my take will be, you know, it's it's February now, so I I'm kind of starting to pay attention to bracketology more. Yeah. Like I always, I mean, I always read it, but now I think it's starting to matter where like. You know, we're like five weeks out for a bracket or from out for a bracket. Whatever. We're, we're getting close to the top 16 seed reveal whenever yeah. that happens from CBS before some great 11 o'clock game or at the halftime of some 11 o'clock game, central time. But when you look at like the top seeds in the tournament, I feel pretty confident that Auburn's going to get a one seed. They have one loss. Like We've talked about Auburn, and they have a relatively easy schedule. I think they're pretty safe to say they're going to get a one seed. I think Gonzaga's going to get a one seed. From there, though, like today was... Baylor and Purdue were kind of the other two one seeds on Joe Lenardi's bracket, with Duke hovering, Kentucky hovering, UCLA and Kansas hovering. But just given that you know Baylor hasn't looked great recently, um, UCLA doesn't have a lot of big game opportunities left. Kansas, I play. I think Baylor and Kansas playing in the Big Twelve, they're going to lose games. I think so. The team, I think, and this is going to surprise people. I think Purdue's going to get a one seed. You're way too high on that. I, I, well, yeah. I mean, I just said they were going to w- lose one more game, so I guess that take aligns. But I just – I look at – you know, I think Kansas and Baylor are going to drop a few more games. Duke should theoretically run the table in the ACC or only lose a few games. But I'm not like – you know, I mean, they lose – I think Duke's going to get a one seed. The fact that they're – I mean, they're, look, they're looking at like a two or three seed right now. They're going to run the table and win the ACC, and they're going to have 
But I don't know if they're gonna run the table. Like they lost to Miami, they lost to Florida. They're State. gonna run the table in the I, ACC. They, I, I I say that every after every time they lose, though. They're gonna run the table and they're gonna finish the regular season about twenty six and five, twenty five and four. Duke would be my other. Around there. Duke would be my other. Duke's guess. going to get a one seed. Oh, dude, they gotta play Carolina twice. Still. Dude, Carolina sucks. It's a rivalry. game, I don't though. care. Like Carolina sucks. It's a rivalry game. Duke is gonna win on Saturday in the Dean Dome by at least seven points, ten points. It's and, a, and they're projecting our Bartorov to win by two point two. They are going. They are going to go into the Dean Dome, and they are going to embarrass. North do you Carolina. do you not remember the twenty twenty year that got shut down by COVID? Do you when, really think that Hubert Davis is going to beat Coach K in his final trip to the Dean Dome? You really think that's going to happen with so, a North Carolina team that can't guard? Um, I just want to throw out that in the Cole Anthony. Yeah, Cole Anthony year. I, yeah, cool. No, I don't care. They had Roy Williams coaching. Can I talk? Them. They're not winning that game. I'm not. Look, I'm just saying. In 2020, um, North Carolina went into that the Cole Anthony year when they were disastrous. They finished last in the in the in the right? ACC with Cole Anthony and two All and Conference think, players. Yeah, and, and so they, that team. They finished the year 14 and nine, and they. They actually they were Duke came to them and it was an overtime game like Duke who was a top ten team in the country that year went to an under five hundred UNC team and it was a close game like this is a rivalry this Duke is a close is not game losing I'm not saying they're way. losing but there's a reason Bartorvik has it at two points like okay but back back to my Purdue point so you think Duke's gonna get the third one seed and then who do you think is gonna get the fourth one because I think Baylor and Kansas are gonna keep dropping I think games Kentucky's gonna get league. it. I think you're gonna see two teams from the SEC because I think the top of that league is really good I think Gonzaga's gonna get one. Um, and I think Duke will get it. So okay, so I think we have our teams like kind of outside the norm that we're high on. Yours is Kentucky, and I like Kentucky too. I just think that they already have four losses. They lost to the only I could. I think the Big Twelve winner will also. I think I could see the Big Twelve winner getting it over Kentucky, but Kentucky would be my top two seed. Kentucky will be the number four or the number five overall seed in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, we'll see. I think Kentucky's got like a reasonably tough schedule left with at Alabama. At Tennessee, home for Bama, home for LSU, at Arkansas. Like, definitely some losable games in there. I just, I think Purdue is going to lose one more game in at least the regular play. I don't know about Big Ten tournament. And I think they're going to position themselves for a one seed. They're going to lose two of their last 13 games in the Big Ten, and they're going to go to the Big Ten championship. I guess, I guess we'll see, and we'll have to go back to this. All right, that's fine. All right, everyone, thanks for listening to this episode of Inside the Arc. If you are living anywhere where the weather could get a little icy, snowy, whatever it may do in the next 24 to 48 hours, uh, please do your best to take care of yourself and the people that live around you. Make sure everyone's got food and water and heat, I guess, is probably pretty important at this point in the time. Heat heat would be important. Uh, I think this is the most snow that I maybe will ever see in my life. I've never seen more than, like, 8 to 10 inches of snow. So if we get more than that, it will be the most time I've ever seen in my life. And God, doing it in Champagne can't think of a better place to do it. So thanks for listening to this episode of Inside the Arc, everyone. Enjoy what should be a great basketball game on Wednesday night between Illinois and Wisconsin, whether that's at the State Farm Center or that's at home on your couch. Enjoy it, everyone. Thanks for listening.